Mark 14. Mark 14. We'll begin reading at verse 26. This uh, is an event in Christ's life and His disciples, having been already there at the Lord's Supper. And Christ has shown them by symbols what is about to happen to Him. They still really don't know and not sure what's going on. And after they went out from that place, there in the upper room, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And it says, when they had sung a song and went to the Mount of Olives, verse 26, Jesus said to them, all you shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus says unto him, Verily I say unto you this day, that this day, even this night before the cock crow twice, you shall deny me three times. But he spoke the more vehemently. Peter did. Peter spoke. If I should die with you, I will not deny you in any wise. Likewise, they all said this. Then over to verse 66 we'll go. And uh, between that moment and this moment, there has been the arrest at the Garden of Gethsemane of Jesus. And they've taken Him through two trials. One before the Sanhedrin and the other before uh, Pilate. And Jesus is before Pilate at that very place, that moment. And the story picks up, and as Peter was beneath the palace, there come one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not. Neither understand I what you're saying. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crowed. And a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And after a little while, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them. For thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agrees to that. And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind that word that Jesus said to him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice, three times. And when he thought thereon, he wept. And so this is... The story of Peter, and we've visited this place many times, but as we're preparing for the Lord's Supper today, this is a good place to stop and just examine our life. One of my last memories of my dad visiting in his church on Christmas 
or the week after Christmas, fifth Sunday probably in that church, was sitting along with him. And in that church, the deacons were already sitting. He was a deacon sitting up front. And uh, the pastor gave an invitation after his message before the Lord's Supper. And my dad went up and just wanted to make things right. That's the last time I think I was in church with him. And impressed me, impressed upon me, my dad, and how uh, he wanted to serve the Lord. His mind was beginning to go already. And, uh, but there he still loved the Lord and wanted to serve Him. So this is a defining moment, certainly, in Peter's life. If we remember something about the ministry of Jesus This is one of those things we remember about Peter, and this might be one of the main things we remember about him. There are experiences in life that literally define define us. We can think of great men like Washington and the crossing of the Delaware, Lincoln and the Gettysburg Address, Benedict Arnold and his act of treason, Herbert Hoover, president when the Great Depression began, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, Richard Nixon's resignation, Mike Tyson biting Evanda Holyfield's ear. (laughs) The Bible records many events. Adam and Eve and their sin in the garden. Abraham and his willingness to offer his son Isaac. Moses and the dramatic exodus out of Egypt. Judas, his act of betrayal. Thomas, his expression of doubt. And Peter, his thrice denial of Jesus. Jesus was inside. Actually, this is at the Sanhedrin's trial before Caiaphas, the high priest. And there Jesus was condemned and and was to be executed as a blasphemer. And after he admitted under oath that he indeed was the Messiah when he was challenged, the Son of God, Peter was outside warming himself by the campfire with the soldiers and others. And Peter, who had earlier sworn allegiance to Jesus, even to death, he said, even if all others forsook Jesus. He was about to experience something that would define his life in his denials. There's something about Peter, of all the disciples, one we know more about him than the other disciples. But there's something about Peter that appeals to us when we read the Bible. And one of the things is, is because of his... Frailty sometimes as a leader. And his real side comes out. Peter's not one of those you have to guess at. He's not one of those people that sits silently in the corner and you just wonder what in the world's going on with him. With Peter, it's, it's out there. That's the way he is. How could something like this happen? Someone said it's easier to die for Jesus than it is to live for Jesus. You may find find that true in your life, where you are right now. 
Peter was one that could be overconfident about his strength. He had some real strengths. There were some things about him. He had a courageous heart. He might have had the most courageous heart of all the disciples. And it caused him to think that he would never fail Jesus in a critical moment. And it was his courageous heart that was melted down by this young maid of the high priest. And she may have known more than many other people would have known about Jesus and His disciples. And she saw Him. And she knew. And so she kept challenging Him. And finally He melted down and denied the Lord. Anybody that reaches a position of self-sufficiency is in, is in dangerous territory. We've all been there. I've been there. When we think we cannot fall, we can fall. And so, Peter was in such a place. And when others looked at him, and sometimes they look at us as spiritually mature, an example of Christian living, we need to know within ourselves, we are dependent on the grace of God. He knows our heart. I don't care who we think we are, or who people think we are. It's God's grace. When we come to the Lord's Supper and partake of the Lord's Supper, every Christian, no matter who, has a place there thanking the Lord for what He's done in their life and forgiving them of their sins and coming into their heart. And so, watch out for your own strength. He also underestimated the pressure the world was going to bring on him. He really had not encountered this before. Jesus was always the front man. He was the one that was always catching the flack. And the disciples were under his protection. It's interesting that Jesus uses the word uh, shepherd and sheep. Jesus looked at his flock as a shepherd would observe them. And he knew that when he was removed, it was going to be challenging times for the disciples. And they would have to recircle the wagons a few times and begin to find leaders, godly leaders, who would help lead them and shepherd them. A pastor has called upon to be like a shepherd, an under-shepherd. I make no thought of owning the sheep. I know these are the Lord. You are the Lord's sheep. You are the people of His pasture. And I'm actually a sheep as well in that sense. I don't want to be too sheepish about it, but you know. It's, but it's, it falls within my, my role to help with the flock. Also, deacons. This is one thing about the deacons, the major thing about the deacons. They serve with the pastor to help shepherd the flock. They're sheep as well. But that's their role as well, to help keep the flock moving along in the right direction. So he underestimated the pressure that would come. He believed his ability to stay true 
And he underestimated the power of an accusation that would come on him. And how much pressure the crowd can bring on us. And we think we can stand under all kinds of circumstances, but the approval of the crowd is major to us. It doesn't matter who we are, what role we are, what our job is, what our place in the family is, what student, whatever. The crowd is powerful. And we must not forget it. He also forgot that denial, like any sin, gets easier with repetition. And so that first denial was a compromise of what he had stood for and wanted to stand for. And then it... it and, and maybe he just thought he was being coy. Maybe he thought he was just playing dumb. It's not easy, not hard for a preacher to play dumb, believe me. And then he began to rationalize. The second time was easier, just a simple denial. The third time he did it with an oath and with a curse. So in a matter of moments, he was a cussing and it's ironic that Jesus was inside confessing himself as the Messiah and at the very moment just a few yards away taking an oath was Peter and denying any knowledge of him and so denial grows easier and easier as we practice it We've got to guard our heart. So Peter loved Jesus, but he couldn't just by mere determination keep serving Jesus of his own will. He had to learn more about himself, and he's in a learning curve right here. He had to learn about himself. And so when we find ourselves in the deep stuff like Peter's in, there's something to be learned. All of life has learning moments. And so, Peter is there. Have you ever denied or ever denied knowing the Lord or refused to confess the Lord? I've shared this before. I'll not forget a, a friend when I was in basic training. wasn't really a friend at that point. I didn't know him. But the Army was giving this sort of version of sex education. And, you know, when you get real sergeants teaching you about sex education, Lord help us, you know, all. That's the kind of... Not all of them are that way, by the way. Anyway, this boy's name was Mike. I never learned his last name. I didn't think I'd learned it. And he said... uh, He stood up. There was about 200 people sitting there, 200 soldiers... He stood up and he said, I'm a Christian and I think men ought to be told that premarital sex is wrong. Man, I thought, that's amazing. Did I stand up? No. I couldn't just stand up with him. He wasn't in my platoon, but he was in my company and later I got to know him. He was a strong Christian young man. Good leader. 
And uh, I don't know what transpired. I can't remember all the talks we must have had. But I got an email from him like six or seven years ago, which is a long time after. I don't know. He must have known my name. I didn't know his name. And he thanked me for giving him a Christian book. And just told me what it meant to him that I was with him. And I thought, man, what it meant to me that you were with me. Christian friends are very important. Somebody that you can lean on and talk to and trust will hold things in confidence with you. You know, if you're a friend, you can't keep things in confidence. Shame on you. People that you can talk to. And so, Peter loved Jesus, but this crowd just, and this little maiden brought him down. So how can we prevent that from happening in our lives? And I'll just go through this quickly. One is be honest about your own personal weaknesses. Be ready to confess your sins and repent. I think it's a daily thing. It's a part of a daily time of prayer. To mean it with your heart. And confess your sins to Him. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And, Bruce? Alright. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, confession. There was a pastor one time that was pastoring a church and he was having a hard time in that church. And not every church is as sweet as you people are, believe me. And he thought he was doing his best, you know, and he bowed down behind his pulpit. By nobody there, just him by himself, come in there, prayed. Um, and he was complaining. He said, "These people are just giving me trouble. Everything I do, they find some reason not to like me. They have no reason." And as he bowed there and just stayed before the Lord under that pulpit. It was as if God said, if they knew you like I know you, they would run you out of this place. That's true right there. Thank God we don't know each other like God knows us. Amen. And so by God's grace, that's the only way we continue on. So know your weaknesses. Know what they are. And so... Also, remember whose name you carry. If you say, I'm a Christian, then whose name are you carrying with you? You're carrying the name of Christ. So when you are standing before others or in a crowd and it's going the other way, remember that you are carrying a name. Even if you say nothing, you're carrying the name of Jesus Christ. And if you must stand alone, then stand alone. That's because it's, the, it's Christ's name. Do we always achieve it? No, we don't. But this is things we can remember to help us. Know your weakness. Know whose name you're carrying. 
Develop spiritual disciplines. Jesus said, watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And Peter had fallen asleep at the wheel, you might say. And so, keep to your disciplines. Billy, I know you used to be in the Army Reserve and whatever month or so y'all would take off and go for your training. And that training wasn't just so you wouldn't forget how to shoot a rifle. Uh, It was to keep soldiers in readiness so they'd be ready. So when called upon, and we have noted over the last many years, they have often been called upon in the reserves to go and serve their country. And so spiritual disciplines are to keep us sharp. What are some of them? You name them. Name one. Prayer. Bible study. Fellowship. Worship. Give me one more. Serving. Witnessing. There are disciplines that we've got to maintain. Are we witnessing? Are we worshiping? I was, I was riding down today. I've passed so many people on their porches or in their homes. They have no intention of going to church today. That's the easiest habit to fall into. Three Sundays and you can almost be there. So make sure you stay true to your worship time. Your praying time. Your time with God's Word. All these different things are important as spiritual disciplines. Establish accountability in relationships. And here again, find some friend that you can be honest with. That you can trust. Somebody will help you stay accountable to the Lord and in your Christian walk. We have blind spots. We need sometimes somebody to help us if we begin to drift. Monitor your friendships carefully. Learn to act with an eye to consequences. What will be the consequences of denying the Lord for Peter? Well, it begins right off. It's said that when the cock crowed, Peter then remembered the Lord had said to him, what the Lord had said to him, he immediately remembered. In Luke, it adds this little little sentence says, the Lord turned and looked on him. Man, now what? Right? The Lord Himself looked at him when the cock crowed the second time. Can you forget a look from the Lord like that? I had a favorite dog when I was a kid. His name was Lassie. You can guess what kind of dog it was. It was a collie. Had the red hair, just like, exactly like the one on television. Eight years, got run over. That was a natural death for most dogs back then. So we got another dog. And that dog's name was Rex. And Rex was not a nice dog. Rex was a bad dog. 
And he got to where he would try to bite almost everybody. Even my mother, when she tried to feed him, he would bite her. The only person that Rex liked was me. What can I say? I'm a likable guy. But he was so mean, he had to go. And so we load him into the car and we carried him to the pound. And when we got there, a man reached into the back seat to pull Rex out. And guess what happened? That's right, Rex bit him. And then Rex took off out of the car and ran into a strange neighborhood that we didn't know anything about. The only person he trusted was me. And so I had to set out after him, going up the street of this neighborhood. Finally, I managed to get him and lead him back into the pound. And the gates were shut behind him. And I'll never forget the look of Rex's eyes when we pulled away from that pound. Him looking through those gates. Those were eyes of betrayal. You betrayed me. Perhaps you've seen that look. The look of the Savior whenever we sin. Doesn't mean He doesn't love us. It's disappointment. Every time we compromise, you can picture His eyes. Remember those eyes. In some ways, Peter's denial hurt Jesus more than the condemnation of the Sanhedrin. That cut deeper. And it says in verse 72, he broke down and wept. Peter did. He knew what he'd done. He knew the depths he'd fallen into. And because of his tears, because he was sorrowful, there was hope for Peter. Peter would be able to come from this. Failure is not the end of his story. The only difference between Peter and the priest that condemned Jesus was the tears. He had tears of repentance. The only difference in the lost and the saved are those tears of repentance. I don't quite literally mean real tears, but if you got real tears, let them flow. But it's the sorrowing heart that comes before God and says, Oh Lord, I have sinned. Forgive me, please forgive me. And that is a defining moment as well for Peter. Peter did love the Lord. There's no mistake in that. And he was sorry for his stupidity and his foolishness. But you know what? Jesus forgave him. After the resurrection, they met again and Jesus let him know, there's a future with, you, with me, Peter. He let him know he was forgiving him. Let's bow for prayer. There may come times in our life when we have failure. 
And we want to thank you, Lord, for the assurance in our heart that we will not be cast aside, Lord, if we'll come and repent. With sorrow, Lord, turn to you and say, Lord, I want to make things right with you. And God, these matters that have humiliated you, humiliated me in your eyes, Lord, today I want to lay them aside. I want to repent and trust your grace and your hiding precious blood that you spilled. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll ask my...